Hello and welcome to episode 178 of the Yours Truly podcast. My name is Claire Tuning. I am your host. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian. I'm the owner of Yours Truly Nutrition. I'm a lover of all things peanut butter and jelly, and most importantly, on this fine March day, I am one of the thousands, if not millions, of big Taylor Swift fans who did not get a ticket at least yet, <laughs> to the Eras Tour, and um, I'm hoping to live vicariously through all of the videos that I am bound to see of the set list on my For You page on TikTok. Um, I say I didn't get a ticket yet. I didn't get a code. I don't have one secured. I'm holding on to a shred of hope that I might find one on resale, but who's to say? All will be revealed in time. If you're a fellow Swifty out there and you're getting your outfit and you're getting ready to go to the Eras Tour, I love that for you. I hope it's the most fun ever and please send me videos <laughs> on Instagram DM or however, however we can keep in touch. But um, welcome to the March episode of the Yours at Shuli podcast. I hope you are weathering the time change and the heavy raining down of pollen, okay? At least here on the East Coast where I am, the pollen is terrible this time of year. I washed my car a couple of days ago because it looked absolutely awful. My car is gray, but it looked yellowish. So I was like, I'm going to take it through the car wash and get it fresh wouldn't you know it, the morning after it was yellow once again. So I love spring. I love that the days are longer, but it does bring does bring some challenges, especially for my friends out there who are allergy prone. Also, I was talking to a friend the other day about the time change. So I'm recording this a few days after daylight savings has taken effect or however you might word that. And um, this round of the time change, if you will, has felt more challenging than ones in the past. I don't know why. I don't know if it's as we get older, it feels harder, if my body very much was not ready to lose an hour of sleep, but it's felt a little bit more challenging. So I hope you're hanging in there. Another cool thing about March is it's National Nutrition Month, which really doesn't mean anything super special. It's really just another month of eating and trying to keep our bodies fueled, but it does have the, the name or the brand of National Nutrition Month. And I posted at the very start of this month on my social media channels that I was hosting a free month-long nutrition party. So all throughout the month of March, anyone who joined me on this email list is getting a free MIDI training on a non-diet nutrition topic sent to their inbox every Monday. So if you're one of the five to 600 people who signed up for that. I hope you're loving the mini trainings. And as I'm recording this, we have two more left. So we're halfway through. This month is also the second month in my new monthly membership program that launched in January of this year. It's called the Yours Truly Collective. And our monthly live masterclass this month is titled A Gentle Nutrition Kitchen, where we're going to be exploring some gentle nutrition knowledge that will help members make food feel good and taste good as well. It's that really glorious combination of how can I learn enough about nutrition and learn some cooking skills so I'm building meals that have nutrient density and they have variety, but they're also going to 
taste really good and I can get excited about them and they feel good in my body. Uh, this is a topic I am really passionate about, so you might be able to assume I am pumped to present this to our membership community later this week from when I'm recording this um, intro for the episode. This masterclass and all of the classes in the collective are only open to current members, but if you're not a current member and you would like to be or you would like to learn more about what being a member entails, then the next opportunity that you'll have to do that is late in April, so about a month or a month and a half away from when you're hearing this episode. Members get access to me and the support of the entire community on a regular basis through a couple of different channels. So we have our monthly live masterclasses. That was what I was talking about a minute ago. We have monthly live Q&A sessions where members can submit their questions and ask them directly to me and community members and get answers. And we also have a quarterly live cooking skills class. I'm going to be hosting that in the beginning of April for members. So if you are a member, get ready for our very first quarterly cooking skills class where we're going to take a lot of the, the knowledge and the ideas that we cover in our master classes and bring that into the kitchen. You'll get some demos for me. You'll get some tips that I use pretty much every time I set foot in my kitchen. So that is really where the rubber meets the road and where the ideas come into action mode. So if you want to be added to the waitlist for the collective, I have a waitlist going. I am growing it here on my computer. You can send me an email. It's really simple. Just email me claire at clairetuning.com with the subject line membership there, and I'll be sure to email you as soon as enrollment opens for our next session. Being on the waitlist is not a commitment to join the collective. You're not signing up for anything other than an email from me to say, hey, here's more information, here's when doors open. So that's all it is. Um, it'll just ensure, like I said, you'll get more info sent your way directly to your inbox late in April when you have the chance to come and join us for our next three-month session. So again, email me, claire at clairetuning.com with the subject line member and I'll get you added to that waitlist. But in today's episode of the podcast, I am chatting with Tamar Samuels about how to spot the differences between true, meaningful lifestyle changes and the restrictive diets that are just rebranded as quote-unquote lifestyles. We also talk about her personal history with IBS and some struggles with restriction and how the idea of health goes far beyond just nutrition alone. Before we get into the conversation, I want to tell you a little bit more about Tamar from her bio so you understand where she's coming from and what her background is to speak on all of these topics. Tamar's unique approach to nutrition care integrates lifestyle medicine and behavioral modification pulled from her clinical nutrition, psychology, and coaching science training. As a registered dietitian, she's helped countless people transform their relationship with food to overcome various health conditions and improve their lives. As the co-founder of Kulina Health and a woman of color, she's passionate about making personalized and sustainable nutrition care accessible to everyone. Tamar completed her master's in clinical nutrition from New York University. She's completed her clinical training at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City, and she has been recognized as one of the top holistic dietitians in New York City by Well and Good. She's been featured in the Huffington Post, 
Prevention, Pop Sugar, Woman's Health, Shape, Insider, and The Tamron Hall Show. So if you couldn't already tell from that very impressive bio, it was such a treat, an honor, and a privilege to have Tamar here on the podcast. I loved getting to chat with her. I know you will enjoy this conversation as well. And as always, if you want to learn more about Tamar, more about Kulina Health and everything she has going on, we'll have all of that linked in the show notes below. But without further ado, let's get chatting. Hey, Tamar, welcome to the Yours to Lead podcast. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Claire. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm delighted to have you. And like I do with every single guest, we're going to kick things off by playing some this or that. Are you ready? I'm so ready. (laughs) Born ready. Okay. My (laughs) first question is, do you prefer winter or summer? (laughs) This is such a good question because it's very clear that that I prefer summer. I just moved from New York. Uh, to Miami and I lived in New York my entire life and I'm living my best life. So summer all the way, forever summer. (laughs) Well, if your move was recent, then you did that like just in time for the seasonal shift in New York and it's going to be much more temperate, I imagine, in Miami. Oh yeah. I mean, it's 84 right now in November. So here we are. (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) seems like you're a a summer gal through and through then. Uh, The next question, this is related to cooking. So are you a person who likes to clean as you go when you're in the kitchen or are you someone who makes everything and then deals with cleanup after the fact? definitely clean as you go. Unfortunately, my husband's style of cooking is the opposite. So we have like a little bit of (laughs) tension there, but clean as you go. It's just easier. You get things done. You got to wait. Might as well be productive while you're waiting. Yeah. I'm the same way. Cause then when you like sit down to enjoy the meal, it's like, I can enjoy this and I don't have to feel stressed about the mess that I have created in the kitchen along the way. That's right. Third one, are you more of a work from home type of person if you have the choice or go into an office and have a little bit more structure that way? Total office person. I am a people person through and through. So I like to be around others. I love to be in an environment where I can move and shake and see things and working from home is just like a little isolating for me. So yeah, totally a commute gal. I'm glad I included that question because sometimes when I'm talking to like a fellow entrepreneurial dietitian, I like steer away because I'm like, I don't know, maybe there is no office space. You know, everybody structures their business differently, but that's interesting. You're like, I would rather have a little bit of a commute and go and be around people. I'm someone I just love, you know, getting out of my bed and just walking across the hall into my office and plopping down. That's my (laughs) preference, but sometimes it does get a little lonely not having coworkers. Yeah, I think the flex is probably the best option. Like I usually go into my co-working space a couple of times a week and then I work from home a couple of times a week so I can like get stuff done around the house. So if I had to choose, it would be both. (laughs) (laughs) Both. We'll we'll, we'll create it in the middle option for you. Um, Okay, I have two more. The next one, tortilla chips or potato chips? Um, Tortilla, although chips are just, all very delicious, but tortilla, if I had to choose. (laughs) You're like, we love all chips, all things (laughs) crunchy, but if I had to choose one tortilla chips, I do agree that there is more um, like dipping options variety for tortilla chips, whereas a potato chip, especially if it's a flavored one, we're a little bit more pigeonholed into only eating it in a certain way just because of the flavors. Precisely, precisely. I'm a dip gal. Okay, final one. 
would you rather have the ability to fly or the ability to read minds? Read minds. I'm like also kind of a mind reader already. So if I was a true mind reader, I, I would just want to hone the skills that I already have. I'm, pr I'm pretty good, but. <laughs> I feel like I'm already halfway there. So I might yeah. as well just say full send. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's um. I I struggle with this question because I fear that if I was able to read minds, we like wouldn't have as many friends anymore. Not not to say that everybody's out here thinking super negatively, but I don't know if I want to know all the time what's going through someone's mind. That might make me feel all types of ways, but also it can make a lot of things easier. So I don't know. You might be right. You're making me rethink my answer, but I think I'm in the same boat as you. I, I, I'm struggling here. <laughs> Too much struggling. information is not always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I could see that it could have many benefits, but also many drawbacks. But what, what doesn't, I guess? <laughs> Amen. Okay, so that concludes our this or that fun game section. Thank you for playing along. But now that we know a little bit more about your weather preferences and your working preferences and your salty snack preferences, I'd love to just learn a little bit more about you. So if you could tell me and the listeners more about who you are and what you do, you could take 30 seconds to answer this. You could take 20 minutes, whatever you want to offer so we can paint the picture of who is tomorrow. Yeah. Well, thank you for this, Claire. I am a registered dietitian and I'm also the co-founder of a company called Kalina Health. Um, we are a virtual nutrition platform that provides one-on-one -on -one, um, nutrition care for all people. So our, our values are really grounded in, in inclusivity. And, um, I, I'm explaining my company because I identify so much with it, right? Mm -hmm. Like this, Kalina is me. <laughs> um, and so we provide, um, tele, telenutrition that's inclusive, sustainable, um, and accessible through insurance. So, um, you know, that is something that is a huge part of my ethos and the work that I do, um, my specialties are in, um, behavior modification and lifestyle medicine. So in addition to being a dietitian, I work with patients on supporting behavior change overall, um, in lifestyle overall, and not just in nutrition. Um, I'm a mom. I have an 18 month old daughter. Um, and I love the summer. <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> we got a, a lot of different flavors of you. We got like who you are in your work as a business person, kind of what you stand for. And then we get a little bit more like personal as we, as we go down the funnel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, one thing that I learned when I was preparing for your interview and reading some things and clicking around on social media, I learned a little bit about your history with IBS and some of what you've shared there related to food sensitivities and how these things can really impact one's health and one's relationship with food. Um, I get a lot of questions about you know, I have to follow some restrictions in my eating because of some of these health concerns that I have. So how can I work on creating a healthy relationship with food when these are very real things for me? Like when this is my reality, that some kinds of restrictions have to exist. So 
Could you speak a little bit to that if you want to talk through personal experience or if you want to share what you help clients do on that front, if they are looking to have a healthier relationship with food, but they're wondering how to do that when they have to live with certain restrictions, whether it's an allergy, an autoimmune condition, whatever it might be. Yeah, for sure. Um, So just to dive into my background a little bit, I got into this this space into the dietetic space because like many dietitians, I had chronic um, GI issues. So I would have previously described them as IBS, but actually they're not IBS. <laughs> um, I, find, I eventually got a diagnosis, which I'll talk, talk about in a minute, but I chronic constipation, chronic um, bloating, and that really had like a huge impact on my nutrition and my mental health. And so, you know, I sort of thought to, to find answers and I found that I was like self-restricting, you know, I was cutting out this because it hurt my stomach and this, that it hurt my stomach. And I actually saw a GI doc who was awesome. This was over 10 years ago. And, um, she said, you know, there's something called the low FODMAP diet, which can really help you to manage your symptoms. And so for those of you who don't know, the low FODMAP diet is an evidence-based diet for irritable bowel syndrome. And it restricts, um, foods that contain certain carbohydrates, which are the acronym for those carbohydrates are FODMAP. Um, And so, you know, that means that we're excluding healthy foods like cruciferous vegetables and avocado, or or at least limiting our portion for these things to manage our IBS symptoms. And unfortunately the GI was amazing, but she didn't refer me to a dietitian. She just told me about this this diet on which I ended up following for, you know, many, many years, which, you know, if I had worked with an RD, I would have known that, you know, this is, this is a short-term diet that we follow to help to, you know, identify certain food sensitivities. So, um, you know, that led to restricting food over the course of a long period of time. I was eventually diagnosed with something called small intestine bacterial overgrowth, which again, with that condition is typically exacerbated. The symptoms are usually exacerbated by food and eating. (laughs) So I, you know, was on this path where I was sort of like self-regulating, self-treating through food in a restrictive way. And that really over time had a huge impact on um, my relationship with food, my relationship with my body um, and, you know, my mental health overall. And so, you know, here I am now and (laughs) I no longer have SIBO. I no longer have symptoms. And, you know, my journey really took me to this place of getting help that I needed from professionals um, from a mental health perspective, from physical health perspective. Um, and I'm no longer like dealing with that. And so, as you said, you know, often people who have disordered eating or eating disorders are coming from this space of like needing to restrict certain foods to manage their health. Um, but really, you know, not getting support that they need to kind of do that in a way that gives them more variety or, um, you know, in a systematic way, right? Like, for example, yes, the low FODMAP diet is evidence-based, but, um, and you can follow it and it may help manage your GI symptoms, but it also might not, right? Like there's also like another approach that we can use that might be less restrictive. So um, I really love working with patients who have complex conditions 
um, in which they like really need support to manage, not just with nutrition, but also with, you know, their relationship with food behavior modification um, and lifestyle overall, right? Because ultimately like the stress that you experience from restricting food over the course of many years can actually be more harmful to your gut than the foods themselves. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why it's so important to work with a prof- professional to, you know, support food sensitivities, allergies, and things like that. Yeah. Well, especially since I mean, this is, this is not a hot take. Everyone knows this, but it's like bodies are so variable. Preferences are variable. Nutrition has to be highly individualized. And I think your story of hearing about the low FODMAP diet and then trying that for yourself, right. Wanting to, to help your body and and help your systems. It sounds like that was very well-intentioned and kind of diving in there without the support of a professional to help you see this is meant to be short term. And here's how we reintroduce things. It sounds like it really led you down a a restrictive, a restrictive path. I want to touch on something else that you just said near the end of when you were talking, you said something along the lines of, you know, what we don't realize is the stress from fearing certain foods, from restricting really highly, from having a a negative relationship with food can a lot of the times be more harmful in the long run than certain foods themselves. Can you share a little bit more about that? Because that can feel like a really head twisting idea, right? When we live in this world of seeing so much social media content of like people standing in grocery store aisles, pointing at a bag of those chips we were talking about earlier, right? Being like, this is the reason why you have X, Y, and Z problem. They're really boiling it down to food alone is the issue. Food alone is the problem. And I don't think we often zoom out to see what that messaging does to our stress around food and to our relationship with it. So are you open to talking a little bit more about that concept? Yeah. I mean, you nailed it with that, right? I think here's the thing. It all comes back to diet culture, right? And so with diet culture, we, as people who have been a part of this insidious um, perspective on nutrition, there's this belief that is pretty deeply ingrained from a very early age that there is one thing you can do to reach your goal, right? And that is, that thing is follow this plan, take this pill, restrict this food, right? That is the messaging that we hear over and over and over again from some healthcare professionals, from influencers, from diet companies, from supplement companies, from food companies, right? So this messaging is very strong and it's coming from multiple sources within the health, the health nutrition space, right? And so it's it's no wonder people think that in order for them to do what they need to do, they have to control, you know, their nutrition in some way. Nutrition is the foundation of health, right? It is very important, but it's not it doesn't, it's not part of a silo, right? Like all things within the health space influence nutrition and vice versa. There's a direct relationship between 
what we eat and how that affects our mental health, how that affects our hormones. But it's the other way around too, right? Like our hormones can influence what we eat <laughs> if our hormones are imbalanced. It can change our appetite, which then leads to, it, it can change our cravings, which then leads to food choices that are maybe less than desirable. Like for example, in the case of insulin resistance, we have a hormone imbalance where we have excess insulin um, in the bloodstream, which then an excess excess glucose in the bloodstream, which then causes cra cravings for carbohydrates and sweets, right? And so then people who have uncontrolled insulin resistance are much more likely to want to consume um, refined carbohydrates and sugary foods, right? So everything exists all together and we have to be able to understand the things that are impacting our health. And we don't need to be a jack of all trades, but we have to be able to support people and understanding, you know what? Here's a referral to this person, or here's how I can support you in your stress management. Or if, if you want to lose weight, we have to start talking about sleep because when you have poor sleep hygiene, that causes insulin resistance and insulin resistance causes cravings for sweets and refined carbohydrates, right? And so we can try to manage the diet, but if you're not sleeping, then you're fighting an uphill battle, right? And so that's why it's so important for us to work with people in lifestyle overall, right? And, you know, when it comes to gut health, there's something called the mind-gut access, which is this neurological connection between our brain and our GI tract. And so studies have shown that people with IBS have hypersensitivity, right? And so they have, they, they may experience more pain when they're bloated, for example. And that pain is related to the nervous system, right? And people with IBS tend to have higher incidences of anxiety and depression. Um, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Who knows? <laughs> this is probably a combination of both. But it's really important for us to treat the whole person when we are providing care. And that's what we do at Kulina Health. And not just try to give someone a diet because it's, it's not going to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like trying to treat the whole person instead of being like, here, take this one meal plan, this band-aid solution that doesn't really know anything about you or your health conditions or your preferences or what you have access to, right? That's trying to put a band-aid on what could be a lot of challenges or a lot of issues. Whereas it sounds like you all, and I hope I hope all dietitians, right? I hope all health professionals, but you all are really looking at the whole person. Now it stood out to me a couple of times now that you keep coming back to this phrase of the lifestyle factors, right? You being a dietitian, you're like, yes, nutrition is important. We talk about food. We talk about nutrition. However, that does not exist on its own. That is not the sole thing that is going to influence someone's health. So since you brought up this, this lifestyle factor conversation, would you mind sharing some things that you're often talking with people about? Like if someone is listening to this podcast and they say, okay, I get the nutrition is important. I may be working with my dietitian, or I'm going to reach out to Kalina Hell to talk about nutrition. Like what other things do we also need to be keeping in mind when it comes to this big picture of health beyond nutrition? Yeah, so I work with a lot of my patients on emotional eating and um, often when we're addressing emotional eating, and I will say just 
as a caveat, emotional eating isn't always a bad thing. Like in context, it can actually be supportive to our health, our mental health. The challenge is when it is not supporting our mental health or our physical health, right? So it's okay to, you know, have a, a treat at the end of the day to unwind, right? There's nothing wrong with that. The challenge is when it's really like impacting your quality of life and it's the only source of, you know, joy or the only tool that you have for unwinding, right? So we need to have a, a diverse toolbox of affecting effective coping, coping mechanisms to manage our feelings and not just food. Um, so that's, that's my little disclaimer there. Um, but I think it's really important for, you know, when working with emotional eating for, you know, us to think about, okay, you're eating because you are tired ultimately, right? And you're tired, why? Like, what is the basic need that you're trying to fill with food, right? And so these are the conversations that I have with patients. This is how you get more effective effective results right so instead of saying well why don't you try to have a healthy sweet at night <laughs> which i think a lot of people will say like oh you know you're you're eating you know treats at night well why don't you just substitute that with like you mm. know greek greek yogurt with dark chocolate chips <laughs> like, just have an know. apple instead it's easy right? yeah, <laughs> yeah like or you can make your own healthy dessert and while those tools can be useful for some people it is just like another substitution. Um, and we're not really getting at the root of why you're emotionally eating in the first place. Um, and if you're emotionally eating because you're tired after having a really long, hard day, how can we work on lifestyle to give you more energy or maybe have structure, change your expectations, you know, in management, ask for help more, right? Like, um, have better boundaries around work and life. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that we can do from a lifestyle perspective to make you less drained at the end of the day. So you're not leaning on that chocolate or whatever treat it is. I'm saying that because I had like four squares of dark chocolate last night. <laughs> I had a long day. <laughs> um, I'm and, and so ultimately, right, like how can we work on changing the lifestyle to support you in feeling more energized at the end of the day or less drained? And so these are like the types of conversations that we have with our patients um, because it's just more effective, right? Um, that's how you can actually work on changing the root of the issue instead of just putting Band-Aid solutions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's this whole idea of approaching these behaviors with curiosity being like, okay, you're engaging in this behavior. Why is that going on? What need are you trying to meet with the food? Could it be something else that you're lacking or not getting enough of earlier in the day? You're right in saying that we get so many more answers and probably longer lasting, more effective tools when we ask those questions, rather than just being like, emotional eating is bad and you should never do it. Try this instead, right? Or, or cut that behavior out entirely and only eat this piece of yogurt bark right? made with like plain yogurt. Um, I get that sometimes those tools, like you said, can be helpful and they can be supportive for some people. But I think for the majority of people who are struggling with these food behaviors that 
feel out of control or they're making us not feel so good. We get so much farther by sitting down with them and like unpacking. Why is this here? Because every behavior we have with food is happening for some type of reason, right? These things don't happen randomly. Exactly. And sometimes it's hormonally driven. Like just to go back to that conversation that we had about insulin resistance, it's possible that you're overeating at night because you're insulin resistant. Let's get, let's, let's get some blood work done, (laughs) right? Like let's see what's going on here. And so I think this also like to close the loop goes back to our conversation around the low FODMAP diet. You know, I think, I think if I would have been, if I would have worked with someone who did more comprehensive testing and gave me referrals to solutions and just, instead of just saying, try the low FODMAP diet, then I probably would have saved years of restriction. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you know, that would have really helped to support my mental health overall. Right. So good learning lesson, but something I just want everyone to know, like, it doesn't have to be that hard. It's really important to find support from an expert who you can trust. Yeah. And it, and it sucks that that had to be like your story and your history, like feeling like so many years have been wrapped up in that. And also now that you've gone through that, knowing that you're in this position and you have this credential to help other individuals, hopefully not have to, to go through that or, or lose years questioning, or should I be doing this? Or why isn't this working for me? You and your team have this approach now and have this support network that again, can help save people from that, which I think is really cool. Um, One thing that I'd love to ask since we've talked so much about the lifestyle factors, right. And the things beyond food alone, this popped into my mind when you were talking. And when I hear that word lifestyle, I think really commonly now in the media and then, you know, this diet culture that we live in, a lot of companies and a lot of programs have gotten really smart to the idea that diet is like the new four letter bad word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we're not a diet. We're something else. Right. I think about Noom or I think about my fitness pal, all of these things that are very clearly diets, but they're trying to rebrand and say that we're not. Oh these noom people Uh, (laughs) not the red light green light with food no i cannot i mean it's so insane that their marketing is so focused on behavior modification when really they're just a food tracking app right it's crazy to me they have excellent marketing but they're deceiving millions of people so oh yeah yeah and and that's (laughs) that's what i mean when i say they're trying to rebrand because it is a diet we're going to call a duck a duck, right? Like Mm -hmm. it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck. It is a duck. Nothing has changed about the program, but they've learned that branding themselves as a diet is no longer cool. And people are catching on to the fact that that's not going to work long-term. So one of the phrases that come to mind for me is it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle change, right? Mm So I'm curious as someone who does focus a lot on true lifestyle changes in actual behavior modifications, how would you talk our listeners through identifying if a diet is trying to say, we're not a diet, we're a lifestyle change versus a program or a professional who is actually supporting people through a true change in lifestyle or behavior? Like what are some things that we can look out for to help us stay away from the former and look for, for more of the latter. 
Such a good question, Claire. I think the biggest red flag is that lifestyle and behavior modification is always personalized because my lifestyle and my behaviors are 100% unique to me. The same is true to you. No two people have the same shared experience in their lifestyle and their behaviors that is shaped over the course of a lifetime by many different influences from income to family to culture to access to education. Um, And so every to microbiome i mean <laughs> everything is unique to the individual so if somebody says that they're practicing like lifestyle changes and they're not giving you personalized um support or products or services then that's a red flag that they're deceiving you mm-hmm. <laughs> so i think that's the best way to approach it you know that's why at Kalina Health, there's always going to be a person on the other side of the care that you get. Whereas, you know, companies like Noom, they say they have health coaches. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is like AI bots. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, they do have health coaches. I'm sure they do have health coaches. But um, like, how, how much personalized care are you getting from, from that experience? And so it's really important for you to um, make that determining sort of distinguishing factor when you're navigating the nutrition space. Yeah, I think that's a, a great tip to look for because you can find out pretty early on when you're looking into a program if you're going to be communicating with a real live human being who's going to take an interest in supporting you and caring for you, or if it's just going to be this multi-million, multi-billion dollar company that's like, here's this app, here's a random workout, and then here's a meal plan that you follow, right? It's not going to be customized. It's not going to be tailored to you, which is one of the reasons why those things are often so short-lived, right? Or like the results, heavy air quotes, our listeners can't see the results (laughs) I'm putting in air quotes are often maybe achieved, but they are short-lived because of how those results are achieved if we can't maintain them or if they're not tailored to you, your preferences, what you have access to, again, it's it's going to be short-lived. So I I did not think Kulina Health was out here being like, we're not a diet, we're a lifestyle change. I'm, I'm glad you cleared that up for us. <laughs> yeah, no, it's such a good question. I mean, you know, it's a jungle out there. It's really hard for people to navigate the wellness space you know, Colina Health is a healthcare company. Our team are all credentialed registered dietitians who've been trained in hospitals. We provide coordinated care with, you know, physicians. Everything that we do is grounded in science. Um, and so, you know, the nutrition space, and that's, we can go on and on about this, but the nutrition space is even more fragmented because, um, the lack of like licensure within, you know, d- dietitians and anyone can sort of call themselves a nutritionist. And so it's really hard for people to know who they can trust um, when they are looking to get support on their, on their nutrition. So um, these are just like some tips 
for you. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're looking to see someone who is professionally trained um, go to a dietitian. Yeah. Go for like, go for the, the credential, the RD, the RDN, the LDN, yeah. you know, something like that behind someone's name. Yeah. Uh, a question that I get pretty, pretty frequently is, is there a difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian? And I get why we receive that question so much because it's not common knowledge, right? It's like a lot of the times we assume that those terms can be used interchangeably, but they are not. Nutritionist is not a uh, credentialed or a, a term that is regulated in any sense of the, the term. Whereas dietitian, we all have the same long list of classes and, you know, continuing education units that we have to, to maintain and all the things. But before I get too far down that rabbit hole, because you're right, we could talk about that for days and days. The final question that I'd love to ask you, Tamar, before we tell people where they can find you and Kalina Health and all the things, since we have been talking so much about the lifestyle piece, not the diety lifestyle, but the true lifestyle factors. I know one of the things that we have mentioned multiple times in our conversation is the importance of individualizing that, right? Of taking that very personalized approach. So I want to preface my question with that. <laughs> like, of course, it has to be personalized and all the things. However, if you were to give maybe one or two pieces of advice or tips for our listeners here today who might be wondering, okay, the new year is coming, or by the time this episode comes out, it might already be the new year. And I want to make some sort of tweak to my lifestyle so that I feel more supportive, so that I feel better. Where might you recommend someone start? Maybe it's a question they even ask themselves, or how can they start looking at what behaviors they might want to get more into as they're looking to make these lifestyle changes? Yeah. You know, one of the most important things for behavior modification is mindfulness, which is defined as non-judgmental self-awareness. Um, well, non-judgmental awareness, but, you know, in this context of self-awareness. And so we, we need to cultivate mindfulness to understand what's happening. You know, I think studies say that we have around like anywhere, I think the range is pretty broad, but anywhere from like three to 7,000 thoughts a day, which is insane. And so we don't need to like tune into all those thoughts, but we do need to practice mindfulness. So we understand a little bit more about what's going on, right? Um, where our barriers are, what our faulty thought processes are. Um, and so the best way to cultivate mindfulness, one of the best ways to cultivate mindfulness is to document. <laughs> um, and so it can be really helpful to, you know, I'm working on my time management and um, it's challenging for me. I also have a lot of things that I'm managing. <laughs> so it's a combination of time management being difficult, but also like having a lot on my plate. And so I'm documenting how much time I'm spending on things so I can manage my expectations and how I can produce outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. Cause you know me, I'm like very ambitious. I'm like, oh yeah, I can get that done. <laughs> I can do that. And I can do a lot of things, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like when, when I say that I can do something and in a certain amount of time and I actually can't, 
it's harming me. It's harming my team. Like it's just not productive for anybody. And so how do I come to that conclusion? I, I watch the clock, right? Okay. Samar, you spent, you know, you thought you were going to spend 30 minutes catching up on emails, but it was actually an hour. Um, and so especially on Mondays because you haven't checked in throughout the weekend, right? So you need to give yourself an hour for this. You can manage your time better. Um, and so we can do that same thing with our food, with our exercise behaviors. You know, you don't have to do a food journal, but you can just check in. How did, how did I feel after I ate this? How did I feel when I woke up in the morning? Did I feel energized? Did I feel tired? What did I do last night, right? So you have to just start tuning in a little bit without judgment and understanding what's going on in your world, right? What's going on with your sleep habits? What's going on with your physical activity habits? Like for me, I, yeah, I'm going to wake up at five and go for an hour run. Actually, no, I'm going to go to a soul cycle class. And the reality is like, yes, I would really like to do that, but <laughs> it's probably not something that I can execute, you know, given everything that I have going on. So like I have, to, I had to tune into that in order for me to think of solutions um, or ask for help for those solutions. So the mindfulness piece is really important. And like, you don't have to meditate in order for you to get there. <laughs> I know that that's like, you know, people are like, oh, mindfulness, why don't I just download an app and like meditate once a day? Yeah, but what are some other things you can do? Maybe meditation isn't for everyone. Maybe we're struggling to even get to that point. Maybe there's a few things that we can do before we feel ready to meditate. So um, I think just tuning in, documenting, being a little bit more data driven mm -hmm. and less judgmental about your behaviors is a really important first step to changing those behaviors. Yeah, I like how you're even framing it as like, this is step one before you decide what new goal I want to set or what change I would like to make in my lifestyle. Let's first take a step back and just assess what is going on on a daily basis? And what is my body's feedback on a daily basis? And after I have some data on that, and the thing that I love about data is it is inherently non-judgmental. It is a number, right. <laughs> it's a data point, right? It only becomes this shameful, guilty thing when we assign maybe a judgment or a meaning to it, which unfortunately we have been taught to do <laughs> as living yeah. in diet culture, right? So we have to hold, hold compassion there, but if we take this inventory of our behaviors and how we're feeling, I'm in agreement with you that can point us in the direction of where we want to start or what first tweak we might want to make and see how that changes or how that ripples into to other energy levels or, or feelings throughout the day. So mindfulness, we'll end with that. And Tamara, it's been really wonderful getting to know you and chat with you about all things behavior and lifestyle and how to tell a diet from not a diet. Um, before we officially wrap, can you take a couple of minutes and share where people can find you if you have any offers that you all are trying to shout from the rooftops, just plug anything and everything? Yeah, yeah. So you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at Kulina Health. You can find me at tamarsamuels.rd. Um, everything you could possibly need to know about working with us is on our website, kalinahealth.com. We actually offer free discovery calls. So if you're unsure, if you have more questions, if you want to see who's the best dietitian to support you, um, hop on a call with us for free. We're happy to talk through all things related to insurance, which we do take. <laughs> um, so, and it's often 
completely covered. So you can potentially see us for free as a benefit under your insurance plan. Um, you can figure all of that stuff out on our website or hop on a call with us for a free discovery call. Um, we're doing some promotions for Black Friday. So if you, for some reason, are not covered by insurance, we are offering some like deep discounts on our, our um, membership. But most of our patients are covered as a benefit under their insurance. Okay. That's really cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you all accept insurance and you have a lot of success with that. It's a little bit harder to come by and like the nutrition dietitian, private practice space to have someone who's like, yeah, bring your insurance. We'll figure it out. So I love that you're doing that and people can have that option there, but we will be sure in the show notes to have Instagrams linked and your website linked and all the things so people can find you easily. Uh, but Tamar, thank you so much for your time and your willingness to chat with me today. It is a privilege to have held an hour on your busy schedule. So thank you. Um, but our listeners, that is all we have for you today. So we are going to sign off by saying yours, Julie, Claire, and Tamar. And that's a wrap for our March episode of the Yours Truly podcast, episode 178 with Tamar Samuels. As always, if you loved this episode or you like anything else that you've heard here on the podcast, it would be so helpful if you could take a couple of moments and tap five stars. If you have a little bit more time and you're willing to type out a few words and you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be wonderful as well. If not, totally fine. Maybe you can give us a little screenshot, share on your stories, tagging me and Tamar as well, letting us know you're listening. Maybe your friends and your family can find us that way too. A big thank you once again to Tamar for being here, for sharing all of the thoughts and the wisdom. If you like what Tamar had to say and you want to learn more about her or Kulina Health or anything she has going on, like I said at the beginning of the episode, all of that is linked in the show notes below for you to find. But until next month, our April episode, take care, stay away from the pollen, stay nourished, stay hydrated, and I'll talk to you soon.